To enter your conference using the backup number, you will need the conference dial-in number and the access code. Please enter your conference dial-in number followed by the pound key. Welcome and thank you for choosing freeconferencecall.com. You're helping people around the world communicate for free. Please enter your access code followed by the pound or hash sign. If you are the host, press star now. Other, please enter your pin. Thank you. There is one other participant in the conference. Please announce yourself. Hello. Good morning. Okay. Yeah, hi, Mitch. I'm here. So, uh, good morning, Rabbi. Good morning. Hi. I, saw, I was having trouble That's with this. Baruch Hashem, thank you. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Very did good. You, did you guys get snowed in? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, I'm saying around eight inches. Hi, Huda. Good morning, Uh-huh. Good morning. Okay, Baruch Hashem. Okay, so I was having trouble with this morning with the conference on my Gemara class this morning. Um, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get started. Uh, it didn't work. But then I, I called them up and they, they helped me get it together. So we're okay. Um, so Jim, give me would you, would you, a couple minutes. I just want to make sure it's working. So I jumped in a little early. So we'll start in just a moment. Okay.
Okay, good with everybody this morning. Okay, it's 8.30. So uh, I know that Dr. Lowenthal will be running a little late this morning. I've got some people on the phone, but we can nevertheless start uh, right now. Okay. Um, good morning, good morning. So we're, we're still on the first page, on page 161. And we're discussing the, the joining together of Yehuda and Yosef, which of course is not this week's Parsha, it's next week's Parsha. About Yehuda approaching Yosef to meet him, to have that discussion that will ultimately culminate with Joseph revealing his identity to his brothers, and the rest is history, that they all come down to Mitzrayim. This meeting of the two brothers, as we discussed yesterday, was not just two people meeting each other as, uh, as family members, as brothers coming back together, but it represents something far deeper in the spiritual realms, because each of these two tzaddikim, these two righteous people, they, they represent as spiritual energies in very different places, both vital in the service of every Jewish person and vital to the collective body of the Jewish people as well. How we define our identities as Jews, both from the Yosef paradigm and perspective, as opposed to the Yehuda. So Yehuda coming together to Yosef represents the coming together of these two worlds, the two worlds. And the worlds are the world of Yosef, is the world as we, as we discussed yesterday, the world of Hosafa, Yosef, from the word adding, additional, which represents the paradigm of the realm of the abstract, of studying, academics, where things are in a world of cognition in the infinite. As we say when a person studies, as the concept of mevin davar, mitoch davar. You understand one item, and from it you are able to appreciate something else. <laughs> Every subject matter contains within it depths and layers and layers that you peel away. There's more there to be understood. The Torah is called the Torah There's an infinite amount of study, of understanding. Learning never ends. So in the concept of Yosef, spirituality, in the heavens above, that perspective is a divine energy of infinity that allows continuous growth. That's the perspective, the concept of context of seeing things that in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a potential of continuous growth when you're looking at it from a subliminal context of study, analysis, that goes deeper and deeper. Actually, our sages teach us that every single person has to study as much as you can and make chidushim, come up with novel approaches that are unique to the beauty of your divine soul of how it understands, your soul understands something in Torah there's a perspective that's uniquely yours, and it's your contribution to the entire body of Torah that's called your chiddush, your novelty, your appreciation, and your perspective that each person has that's unique to you that you have to offer into Torah. So if you have a thought to share, by all means, you need to do so. HaKadosh Baruch wants every neshama to participate in adding to the beauty of the body of Torah. But the sages tell us, Whatever a student in Torah will some say something new, an approach that represents a Torah perspective, it all comes to Moshe at Sinai, but it was waiting for you to come to the world and study that particular subject 
and offer something unique to your perspective and your analysis. And it's critical for each person to do that. That's the Yosef, Hosafa, add, add some more, bring more and more, more identity, more reality, more luster and splendor to the beauty of the Torah perspective. So each person has to do that. That's the Yosef perspective. Limut, study. In the context of the comparison between heaven and earth, that would be the heavenly perspective. Shemayim, the revelations that go ad infinitum, how they represent the revelation for God that, are, that induces one to great, wanting more, greater passion, yearning for greater revelation. The closer you get to the source, the more you realize how distant it is, and I need to get more of that, and there's a yearning, a passion. As we talk about every morning in the davening, about the malachim, the angels who are privy to these higher divine revelations, and there's a tremendous passion to receive more. Kulam they say kadosh, 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 as we discussed in the morning prayers. That's the Yosef perspective. But then we have Yehuda. Yehuda from the word from Mode Anib. I submit myself. It represents the power of action, the power of deed. Where the deed is one, the mitzvah is exactly this way. We can discuss ad infinitum what would be the most beautiful way to observe the mitzvah, the kavan of the mitzvah, all the different spiritual energy that goes into the performance of a mitzvah. But ultimately, when you finally do the mitzvah, it's an act that may take just a few seconds, but that's the mitzvah. It's confined to a time and space. It has its limitation. It's called the tachtonim, the lower extremities of existence, where the actual venue of divine revelation takes place at the most essential level, the actual deed, the observance of the mitzvah, the trigger to the highest levels of divine essence. That's Yehuda actually doing the mitzvah itself, the power of action, the power of deed. That's Yehuda's perspective. The submission into actual executive functions of life to do what we need to do, to be where we, we needed to be. So Yehuda coming to Yosef in this meeting of the Parsha next week represents the joining together of these two energies that are the paradigms of Yehuda and Yosef. This is exactly the, the there's, a, there's, a, there's an unbelievable machlokas in the Gemara, in the Talmud, there's a machlokas between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. Uh, this is tractate Chagiga, page 12. There's a machlok has been Hill and Shammai. What came first? The question is not about the chicken or the egg. It's about heaven or earth. What came first? Shemayim or Eretz? Beit Shammai, Beit Shammai, understandably so, would say, well, the heaven comes first. Because heaven represents the power of infinite appreciation of divine revelation. The heavenly splendor of revelation, the higher partsufim, the spherot in the heavens above, that, that represents a, a dominance in Jewish thinking, in Jewish philosophy of heavenly perspectives and context of reality. The heavens, Beit Shammai, who sees everything from the context of potential, he sees anything of potential when looking from a heavenly perspective, from the lens of the heavens, it's like Yosef, Osafa, continuous growth, the power of potential. That's Beit Shammai's perspective. Like Beit Shammai says when it comes to Hanukkah, the first night you light eight, because there's a potential of eight days coming in, he looks at the potential. As opposed to Beit Hillel, he says, no, what's the reality? What do we have here right now? Says Beit Hillel, when you come to light the Hanukkah menorah, you light one the first night. Because in reality, you only have one. You may have a potential for eight days, but Hillel says, what are the facts on the ground? The facts on the ground is there's one day you light one candle. Says Beit Hillel in the argument in Tractate Megillah between heaven and earth, what comes first? What's the dominant energy? Earth. That's the conversation. It's a fascinating conversation in the Talmud 
What is first? What's dominant? Heaven or earth? Shammai says the heavenly potential and perspective of that growth process as you analyze and delve deeper in the context of the novelty of revelation and how much more can come as a result of that intensive effort. As opposed to Beit Hillel, he says, Eretz, earth, this is where it's all about. Facts on the ground, the will of Hashem, a home for God here in the lower extremities of existence. It's a fascinating conversation between Shammai, Beit Shammai, Beit Hillel. So Beit Shammai says, so Beit Hillel says to Beit Shammai, he says, how could you say the heaven comes first? If you're going to build a house, you build the attic first or the second floor. You have to start with the foundation. The earth is dominant. That comes first. Well, Beit Shammai says in response to Beit Hillel, he says, I understand what you're saying, but let's say you're having, you want to have a beautiful furniture in your house. So you build a beautiful chair and then you put a footstool. What comes first? You don't make the footstool first. First, you make the chair and you sit comfortably. Now you want something for your feet. So you pick up, you build a footstool. So the heavens come first, say Beit Shammai. It's an interesting conversation that's in the Talmud, tracted Megillah. Excuse me, it was Chagiga. Chagiga, page 12. So but then there's a third opinion, my friends. The third opinion, the Chachamim, the sages, they respond and they say, hold on a second. The third opinion is that they both came simultaneously. You hear that? That's the Chachamim's position. Heaven and earth are two sides of the same coin, that they're all together. So Hasidus explains, going way back to the Alter Rebbe and this Mimer as well, that the uh, position of the Chachamim, that they both came together, is not a third opinion. It is a combination of the two opinions of Shammai and Hillel. It's a blending together that they're both saying the same thing, looking at it from different perspectives. How do you view the context of creation from the heavenly perspective or the earthly perspective? They're not arguing with each other. As you build something, so there's the context in your mind of what the end result might be. But as you go through the process, there's a journey of getting to the end process. So in the journey, Heavens are first, like in the Mishkan, the tabernacle in the desert. The animal kingdom is on top, the skins of animals, the roof. Then you have the plant kingdom, the cedar woods, that's the beam. In the bottom, you have the inanimate. Because in the journey of the created world, there's heavens that come before earth from that perspective of the journey. But the ultimate goal is, say the Chachamim, is the unity of the ultimate purpose of creation, the Dira Batachtonim, the purpose of creation to make here in this physical world a home for the heavens, that the heavens come into the earth and blend compatibly with perfect harmony and unity. Heaven and earth come together in perfect unity. That's the purpose. That's the ultimate goal. So they're not arguing with each other. They're only coming from different perspectives. You look at the journey or you look at the final destination. Beit Shammai, let's look at the journey. Heaven is first. That's Yosef, the Hosafa the splendor potential possibility, but Beis Hillel and Yehuda, they're coming from the context of what's the target, what's the destination, not the journey itself, but where, do we, where are we looking to end up? The actual deed, how we live our lives, the things that we actually do here in the world, we have to blend the heaven perspective of potential into actuality of deed here in this physical world. They gotta come together. So the third position of Chachamim is not a third position. It's a combination. It's a combo of the heavenly and earthly perspective coming together as one. And that's the Parsha. Yehuda comes to Yosef to join, not to argue, not to have a dissenting opinion, but to create the reality of the heavenly perspective being actualized indeed here in this physical world. 
So my friends, if you don't mind, look to the, back to the text of the Mimer, page 161. And we'll start from three lines in the bottom of the page. 161, three lines in the bottom of the page is where we left off yesterday. Says the Rebbe, Vihine. Three lines in the bottom. Dr. Rebbe, Vihine. The ultimate goal is not to allow oneself to remain monolithic, limited to a particular perspective. I want to remain in the heavens. I like the beauty of the splendor of divine revelation and the infinite potential that it represents. In other words, I want to have kavana. I have to bench lift Friday night. But before I bench lift, I want to have the kavana. What does it mean to bench lift? I'm bringing light into the world. I'm making Shabbos into the world. So there's a lot of kavana and devotionals associated with that beautiful mitzvah. My friends, if you spend too many minutes in the kavana and you don't bench lift, it's going to be Shabbos. You won't be able to bench the lift. But at a certain point, you have to say the devotionals have to conclude and I have to get to the process, get on with the program and bench the lift. So there has to be the merging of the heavenly devotionals with the actual implementation, physical implementation of Batach Tonim, the mitzvah itself, bench the lift, light the candle. That's the kavana, says the Rebbe. Yehuda comes to Yosef and they join together. Let's continue. The two energies form a perfect union of oneness that heaven imports itself to the earth and earth receives the devotions of the heaven and is inspired and enriched by the heavenly implementation into its existence. I knew, as he explains, when you discuss and contrast the contrast between study versus deed, there's got to be the pa'ul of the Talmud Bahamaisa. You have to see to it that when you do something, it's clearly being informed, enriched by what you studied as you do the actual mitzvah itself. It's not an act that's independent of the study that came before it. It's obvious as you perform the mitzvah, you're coming from a rich position and a perspective of knowing how you're supposed to do it. The Talmud is meeting into the Talmud. And similarly, when you study, don't study abstractly. When you study something, always think to yourself, how will my life change in very executive functions of life, in the actual performance of my deeds of life as I do this study? Study in a context that it doesn't remain abstract or subliminal. It's not just about being in the heavens. As you study in the heavens and you have that context of growth and learning more and appreciating greater depths of study as you go through that process, make sure that every step, step you're imbued with the recognition that one day I have to take this study and live with myself better because of what I'm studying. That the world changes because of what I'm studying right now. You've got to blend heaven and earth, both in how you're behaving. It's obviously informed by the heavens, by your studies. And as you study, it's informed by the earthly necessity of going back down to your target, to your destination of this world. In this Kavaldika stuff, my friends, we're trying to blend the two worlds. You don't live in two worlds. We live in the world of the heavens and earth. As the Chachamim said to Beishamay and Beishil, Beishil, you got to bring them together. It's one reality for the Jewish person. By Yigash, I love Yehuda. Yehuda comes to Yosef to unite as one. Let's continue. Says the Rebbe, the Pu'ulis, Hamaiseh, Bahat Talmud, Muvenis, Alpi, Hamavur, Behemshach, Kofre, Samachov, the last line of page 161 that you, you can see, that you know that when you're studying something, you're focused on how this study is gonna bring you to a better behavior. It's about behavior modification. It's never about study per se. 
It's never academic per se. It's never about that in Torah. The study has to be imported to the context of my deeds, my life itself, how it's going to behave, my behavior modifies. And it's obvious to you that when you're studying something, you're thinking about the target and destination of the study as explained. Look at the Rebbe, it says the last line of the page. The kasher halomeid Torah. When you're studying Torah, yodei, you know as you're studying. That my actions of life, an actual deed, yihia, top of the next page, please, page 162. My actions are so commensurate and dependent upon my studies. So when I study something, no matter what part of Torah you're studying, you need to know that what I'm doing right now in my studies, this is an abstract stuff. This isn't something that's just academic. This is how I'm going to inform my daily behavior of life, my behavior modification. When you know that, when you know that what you're studying is that important to you, then then you're completely subsumed into your studies. This means so much to me. This isn't an abstract conversation. I'm not talking about something that, that doesn't have re relativity to you. This is something about me. This is my life, my reality. And therefore, you become totally united and one with the study. And you'll surely come to the proper conclusion of the halacha, the truth of what it's meant to, what's, what's talking to you. The power of study has to always be united with the power of deed. And then as you study, it's real, it's identifiable and tangible in your life. Because it's something that talks about you, it's your life. There's a famous story I want to share with you. I'm sure you've heard it before from many, perhaps even from me also. So you'll, you'll, you'll forgive me if I, if I repeat myself. It's a famous story about that sometimes in the old towns, in the old shtetl, so the, um, many people there were not literate and they wanted to hire a Rebbe to teach their children to come from another town where he went to yeshiva. Most of the farmers in this peasant area were not literate. So they hired a Rebbe to come to live in this shtetl, this farm area, to teach the children some Torah. So he, because he was the only literate person in the entire village, so therefore, whenever letters would come from out of town to this village, this Rebbe of this cheder, who was literate, would read the letters. He'd open up the mail for the people there, and he'd read the information on the letter to the different farmers who couldn't read. They weren't literate. So one time, a letter comes to a villager, and the villager asks the Rebbe, could you please read the letter to, to me? And he opens up the letter, and he begins reading about the very unfortunate news that this person, this farmer, he's being told in this letter that unfortunately his father passed away in another community. And he's reading the whole letter about his father was sick, he wasn't well, and ultimately he passed away. When the farmer hears this letter being read to him, he chalishes, he faints. He's overcome with, dis with distress, he's so sad about the terrible news of his father's passing. But the other person who's reading the letter, the Rebbe, the literate Rebbe who's teach, who, who read and teach, he's reading the letter and he knows the words, he sees the words, he's saying the words, and he's reading the letter as if, as if nothing happened. He expresses some level of sadness, but he's not halishing. He's not fainting. What's the difference? Why is it the person who reads the letter can read it? He can actually see the words and identify the words and the thought and convey them to the recipient of the letter as opposed to the farmer who can't read it He's just hearing it, and he's halishing over the news that he hears that, unfortunately, the terrible loss in his family. What's the difference? So the Rebbe told over the story many years ago, and the Rebbe said the difference is, because as far as the farmer's concerned, it's his father. 
This isn't an abstract letter. It's a Tate. It's about his father. And he's hearing news about his father and he's distraught over the terrible sad news of his passing. As far as the Rebbe who can read the letter, who knows all the words and is literate, he's reading the letter, but it's not his father. It's a distant situation to another person's father. He's not challenging when he reads the news of the passing of the man's father. Says the Rebbe to us, when you learn Torah, and you're learning a halach about a Torah, before you actually do the mitzvah, you're learning about the kavana, the chassidus of it, the sov, the pshat, the remed, the drush, learning about all the different beautiful devotions that are associated with every particular mitzvah, you have to learn the mitzvah, and the context should be, says dain tate. It's your mitzvah. It's your life. This is not an abstract conversation in the heavens. This is not a subliminal potential for great righteous people. It's your halacha. It's like the farmer's father. It's your reality, your identity. How I do this mitzvah depends upon how I study about the mitzvah, as I appreciate the significance of the mitzvah, how I internalize the entire devotions that the mitzvah can bring to me, how I express it. Siddhantata, so to speak. It's your father. It's you. It's your life. It's your reality. Says the rabbi, that's the blending of heaven and earth. But even though you're heavenly, you're studying, you're being very academically involved and invested, but don't let it just remain in that transcendent, subliminal, abstract superficiality. No, it's your halacha. One, you're going to have to close the book and actually do the mitzvah, behave in a particular pattern of life. So look at it from that context of blending heaven and earth together. Yehuda comes to Yosef. Deed has to meet together. The meeting of the mind and the deed have to come together. Let's continue back on page 162, my friends. 162. It's your mitzvah. It's the contribution you make in this world by the things that you do. Says the Rebbe Vaiter, the second line from the top of the page, 162. says, similarly, from the other side of the coin, when you're actually doing the mitzvah, when actually you're doing the mitzvah, when you do the mitzvah, make sure that you're still connected to the thoughts and devotions that you prepared before you do the mitzvah. That the deed is not just a perfunctory act, doing something stamazai. Without any investment of an energy, as you do the mitzvah, carry yourself to the beauty of what it represents as well. I remember there's a story about that. I'm reminded of another story. I don't think I ever told you this one. This, this might be a new one for you. A story about a, a chassid who I knew very well in Montreal, who was a shaykhid. And uh, he was a among a team of different shaykhid in Montreal. And uh, he was a very, very special Jew, a very chassidish yid, perfect person who davened hours every Shabbos, tremendous tilabarichas, learned a lot of chassidis, knew a lot of chassidis, and he was a shaykhid. At one point, the shachtim who worked with him were upset because when he was about to take the chicken or the animal and shecht it, his hands would shake. And they felt that his hand shaking would be a detriment to a proper shechita, to a proper slaughter. It's an unbelievable story. And so the, these, these other shachtim who were all Chabad shachtim, they wrote a letter to the Rebbe saying, how should they proceed? Should they have this person perhaps suggest to him that maybe he needs to retire because his hands are shaking? So they wrote to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe wrote back not to do so at all. He says, he knows what he's doing. He says, when his hands are shaking, he's not afraid of the animal. He's afraid of the one who created the animal. He's very much aware of the creator 
who gave us the halacha, he's trying to make sure he does it right. Leave him be. He's doing it okay. When you do the mitzvah, make sure you know you're doing God's mitzvah. Your subliminal, abstract concepts of what you're prepared for in study, in understanding, the kavanas, the halachas, as you do the mitzvah, make sure you're connected to the one who gave you the mitzvah. Not just the actual function of the deed itself. Make sure you're connected heaven into earth. Just like we said before, you have to connect earth back to heaven. That when you study, make sure you're focused on tata. It's your mitzvah. It's your deed that has to actually be implemented here in this world. Similarly, when you're doing the actual mitzvah, make sure you're connected to the one who gave you the mitzvah. It's not just your physical deed itself. That's Yehuda coming to Yosef. Joining together the world of heaven and earth as not two separate entities, but two halves of the same coin. Let's go back to the Maimon, my friend. This is Valdeca stuff, no? Pfeiffer. All right. Not only says the Rebbe, that there's got to be that you know the halacha, that you know what you got to do, and what you're not supposed to do. How can I someone on the phone to mute your phone? It's a little bit, it's quite distracting. Someone on the phone is quite distracting, please. Thank you. So you not only learn the halachas to know what you got to do, and what you're not supposed to do, that you have to study with depths like Yosef's paradigm, which means Hosafa growth, infinite layers of greater understanding and deeper appreciation of the kavana, the devotion, and so forth. And so, as I said before, each person, based upon the strength of your neshama, that uniquely yours, has a particular contribution to the beauty of the expanse of Torah's wisdom that comes from the perspective of your neshama, of how you understand things, and it's your chiddush that you have to try to find your place in every subject that you study in Torah. Shari'i Efsher, so make sure it says that you bring, as you come then to the observance of the mitzvah, make sure that your investment of study is involved in the actual doing of the mitzvah itself. Shari'i Efsher, Lifsek Halachas, Lamaiseh, Bulelay, the Prajitami Halachas. It's impossible to come to know how to adjudicate the halacha without first all knowing well all the different details, the elaborate details of the reasons for the halacha. It's got to be the blend of the hasafa, the Joseph paradigm, of knowing it well, studying it well, allowing yourself to peel away the layers and layers of study, studies and subject of the Rishonim and the Achronim and the different, different halacha adjudicators know it properly, that you actually do the mitzvah. Clearly, you're coming from a place of intelligence. I'm not just doing something. Yes, I am doing something. It's a moment of an act. The physical deed of a takhtonim, the Yehuda paradigm, the dedication of selfless service to God, but make sure that that selfless service is coming from an intelligent place, from a learned place of study that preceded that, that, preceded that moment and let that moment shine into the actual moment of the deed itself. That's Yehuda coming to Yosef. That is heaven coming to earth. And that's the position of the Chachamim who say to Beisham and Beit Hillel that we have to bring heaven and earth both together. That's the Rebbe on page 162. Let's start now from the, the second paragraph on top of the page. Vehine, the feet beaters up, based upon all of the above, This is very fascinating. Now we'll, we'll begin talking about this today. Mitzvah will continue Mitzvah next Monday. So based upon what we just said now, the things that we do are representative expressions outside of self. What I'm going to do in the world at large. The mitzvah that I do, I'm taking something physical, finite, and mundane, and I'm consecrating it by my act of a mitzvah. And I'm connecting it to the heavens 
by the, the Shemayim, the heaven, the Yosef paradigm of the spiritual growth that preceded the actual performance and the observance of the mitzvah itself. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm doing something physical with something outside of self, bringing the consecration to it, heaven to earth. Says that I want to share something with you. However, on them, however, the Pratish Yoiser, if, if we dig a little bit deeper, get a little bit more elaborate, Yeshem, Yonim, Wow. Look at it, says the Rebbe. There's a possibility of being able to appreciate heaven and earth paradigms, Yehuda Yosef paradigms, not only in the context of a deed that you do in the world outside of self, even within your own service, within your own self, within your own being, you also have a Shemaim and Aretz. And there's a service that you do, a performance that you do within your own self, not relating to an outside world of heaven and earth, but there's in heaven and earth within your own Jewish psyche as well. This is Gavaldi, that the person himself has within his context of service of God, a heavenly and earthly perspective. Where do we find that? Says the Rebbe, I'll tell you, second line down from this top paragraph. I knew, your daven is also an expression of heaven and earth. This is Gavaldi. When you're davening, you are performing a unification of heaven and earth. That should be your perspective. Where do we see that happening? Exactly what part of davening does that express the Yehuda Yosef paradigm of unification of these two Shemaim and Eretz realities, heaven and earth, or, or Mishkan versus temple, Ruchnis versus Gashmis, and so forth? Says that I'll tell you, in davening itself, you have that. We have a halacha known as Smichas Geula Litvila. There's a halacha that says that before you say the Shemona Esrei, the Gemara teaches us, and our prayers are instituted that way, that you have to say, Baruch Atah Hashem, Ga'al Yisrael. You have to represent the context of redemption before you begin Shemona Esrei. Before you begin the Amidah, and the Shemona Esrei, and all that that means, and we'll discuss more about that, Mitzvah Hashem, next Monday morning, same time, same station. But before that, you have to experience Ga'ula before you can experience the Amidah, the Tzvilah Shemona Esrei. These two paradigms are going to represent heaven and earth, within the context of the human person himself, but even looking to an outside world, the person himself or herself also in that prayer's moment is also unification of Yehud and Yosef. How is that so? Well, you have to think about it over Shabbos and come back Monday morning. We'll share with that next week, Mr. Hashem. Thank you so much, everybody. There's um, no class tomorrow? Thank you so much. Thank what you. Is no class tomorrow? Ari, what? There is no class tomorrow? Oh my gosh, of course there is. It's only Thursday. I'm <laughs> what am I talking about? You're, okay. already, you're already in the Shabbos mode, Rabbi. That's okay. It's good. We're going to be back tomorrow morning, Friday morning. I, so I Just don't, wait. don't make Kiddush tonight, okay? <laughs> I hope it's Shabbos. Okay. We'll continue tomorrow morning. Same time. I apologize. Okay, let's go back. Let's Thank you, everybody. Thank Good. you very much. We don't have to thank wait. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I should tell you. Thank you, Zoom. Everybody stay safe. Stay welcome. Tomorrow, we learn about Shmona Esri power and potential. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye, Hannah.